Well, I praise the Lord for another opportunity this morning for sharing Christ with one another. This is one of the great Christian experience to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and to see what he can do if we make ourselves available to him. We really had a great, great week and I praise him for all his goodness and his love for sharing Christ with some people this week. And we had the joy in bringing one to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, yesterday was a great day. Didn't think that I would make it, but I made it. And I thank the Lord for it. To go to Billy Graham, uh, the choir rehearsal yesterday. We had a wonderful time. And we could sense something of what the Lord Jesus is going to do in Shea Stadium if we as Christians are faithful and pray and invite people to come. The Lord put his hand upon us yesterday and we just were rejoicing, singing praises unto the Lord, sharing with one another this great gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see the Negroes and the white people knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and this is so wonderful and that's the only thing which works in this world. It is not black, which is beautiful and is not white, which is beautiful. But it is the soul which knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was a young man just back from Vietnam, a Negro fellow, Marcus by name, and uh, he sang for us. Cliff Balfour asked if he would listen to his voice. A friend had called him up and said, you have to hear that man. His uh, officers are sending him from unit to unit in uh, Vietnam and he gives his testimony and he sings for the Lord. And he brought his guitar and he sang for us. And I tell you, it was a wonderful experience. He really sang praises unto the Lord. He sang um, the Lord's prayer confess that I never heard anything like this before. Not only just a beautiful voice, but his testimony which was behind it. Tremendous. The Lord may use him in a wonderful way and that he may come to sing. I don't know if this will be possible. And then he sang, I rather have Jesus. And he put his whole testimony and his whole feelings into it how he feels, what he knows about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it just was wonderful. So let's pray that the Lord is going to do a wonderful thing at Shea Stadium. And uh, now we will have a wonderful lesson this morning and I pray that the Lord may mightily bless it. We have two scripture portions which we We'll read together. The first one is in Acts 15, if you will turn to it. We will read it together in a minute. This is our topic for today. Law and grace. Our law furthers grace. On one side we have the law, on the other side we have grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a tremendous lesson for us. And I pray that the Lord Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
may make it very, very clear to us what's all about. For uh, there are too many in Christendom and Christianity which believe that they can be saved by works. Three thousand came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, were baptized and were added to the church. Remember that the Lord Jesus says in Acts 1, 8, that he shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And this is in full accord with the great commission which we find in Matthew 28, 19, before the ascension of the Lord Jesus, go he then and make disciples of all the nations, the Jews only, no, all the nations. And I believe that the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ should have been very clear about this matter, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people, including all Gentile nations. But when we read the book of Acts, we soon find that the disciples are very reluctant to go to the Gentiles. Not even reluctant, but that they are unwilling to go to the Gentiles with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that the Lord Jesus had to deal with Peter in a very special way to get him on the move to get him to the Gentiles. And we know this story very well when Peter, finally, after the Lord Jesus reveals himself to Peter and gives him again the commission to go to the Gentiles, that finally he is willing to go to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, to bring him the gospel. Just let's look into a few verses in Acts 10 because they are uh, important to understand our lesson. So the Lord has dealt with Peter and now he is willing to go finally to Cornelius with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says when he comes to uh, Cornelius' house in chapter 10, 43, now he is preaching and Peter says to him, give all the prophets witness, uh, witness that through his name, whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sin. Not the Jews only. Now Peter understood. Now Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles. Whosoever, everyone included, for God so loved the world. But an amazing thing happens. Peter comes back to Jerusalem and we turn over and get to the 11th chapter. And this is what happened in the first and second verse of chapter uh, 11. It says there, and the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. Isn't this something? Now he is accused that he went. 
And now Peter tells him the whole story, how God in a special way spoke to him and said he had to go. For he says as in his defense before the apostles and the other uh, Jewish Christians, he says in verse 17, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now what happened? What could they say? It says in 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace. Oh, some of them didn't like it. But what could they say against God and against the plan of God? And then they said, then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. They should have known it before. And now one would think that the matter is settled once and for all. Is it? An amazing thing happens when we come to verse 19. Persecution is in Jerusalem. And the disciples are scattered abroad. And by reason of this, the gospel goes out. And this is what happens. In verse 19, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Venice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. Isn't this amazing? Still didn't learn the lesson. Still didn't learn it. Still didn't believe it that the gospel was for all mankind. But then some born-again believers, Gentile believers, came to Antioch and they did the job. They did the job. We read in 20, 20, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. And what happens? And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Because this is what the Lord wants. And this is wonderful to see this. And the result was then that hundreds of the Gentiles believed and came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it is interesting, as now the doors to the Gentiles are opened, that it is at Antioch, right there that the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are called for the first time Christians. Isn't this amazing? That's very interesting. That's wonderful. And now the church in Jerusalem heard it. Now they get a move on there. And what do they do? They send Barnabas to Antioch to help those new Christians in faith. And Barnabas gets to Antioch and he sees this tremendous wide door open which the Lord Jesus has opened to the Gentiles. And he feels that he should some help and he got the help. He gets away and he looks for Paul. And he gets Paul in Tarsus and goes back with him to Antioch. And he spent there over a year 
preaching the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Tremendous work started there. But now we see that something happens again. Some Jewish Christians come from Jerusalem and they come with a strange teaching to those Gentile Christians and they say that they have to be circumcised in order to be saved. That is what we read in our text. They want to bring them into bondage. Paul describes those men in our text in, uh, in Galatians 2. Well, we didn't read it. But that is what Paul had to say about those people which came with that teaching that they have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And that is what Paul says in Galatians 2.4. And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. That is what happened. And there is bondage. They are not free. Where we believe, where we believe that we will be saved, by faith plus works, we are brought into bondage. And I know from my own experience what a bondage it is if you believe and trust in your works in order to get saved. Those people can cause a lot of trouble, a lot of disturbance. If such people rule, the witness for the Lord Jesus Christ will go. And the peace of God is gone. And the assurance of salvation is gone. And so the church was split up. And the church in Antioch sends now, are sending now Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem to confer with the apostles and elders about that matter, which we have read. And now if we turn to 15, again, Acts 15, we see what will happen there. We see in verse 6, which we read, that the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And then in verse 7, we see that Peter rose up. Peter is speaking. And he declares in verse 9 that God put no difference between us, meaning the Jewish people, and them, meaning the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. That was all. So Peter was clear about this matter. And he declares again in verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they, the Gentiles, by faith only. And then we see that James, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, gets up and he brings in the Old Testament prophecies and he quotes from prophets like Isaiah, Hosea, Amos and Micah to declare that it is even found in the Old Testament that the Gentiles are also called unto salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, unto God. 
So they came to such a conclusion that they should not trouble them which come from the Gentile nations and should declare that it is by faith only, but that they should live a separated life unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we would think that the matter should be very clear finally, shouldn't we think so? Now, Peter is the one who fails, who fails tremendously. What has happened? Paul and Barnabas went back to Antioch rejoicing with this letter in the hand which the apostles had written. And the whole church was rejoicing in Antioch. Because now the matter was clear. It was by faith and by faith only that man gets saved. It is the free gift of God. But a while later, Peter comes from Jerusalem and visits the church in Antioch. And Peter has a wonderful fellowship with those Gentile Christians. They are rejoicing together. They are sitting at the table together, eating together, talking about the Lord together. You know, like we have Christian fellowship. And as he is sitting there with those Gentile Christians, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the wonderful things they share with one another in the Lord Jesus, a delegation comes from Jerusalem, another one from James. And Peter, fearing those which come from the Jews, sneaks out. Sneaks out of the room, gets away from them. That also the rest of those Jewish Christians are tempted, even Barnabas, to leave the room. Amazing thing, isn't it? What an amazing thing. What a hard time they had to learn that salvation was for all mankind. That we are made one in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter from which background we come, no matter which color of skin we have, that we are made one in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful that I have learned it personally. But the church Jesus of Jesus Christ has always suffered from those which brought in all kind of orders and regulations and church commandments in order to get man on the way to heaven. The scripture again and again warns us for those men which will bring in damnable heresies, which will add to the word of God, or those which will take away from the word of God. And the church, of, uh, church history is full of those records where the church has been gone into tremendous darkness because they didn't believe anymore that it is by faith alone. And sometimes this truth that we are saved by grace was completely buried in the church of Jesus Christ. If we just think on those dark ages, which we call the Middle Ages, where this truth completely was buried, completely, it was gone. 
how would it otherwise be possible that a pope calls into a holy war and that they killed the Jews and the Turks by the thousands in the name of Jesus Christ? How do we explain otherwise the teaching of indulgence in order that a soul get to heaven and get saved? The church had, church had become such a worldly power, not believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not understanding it at all. How thankful we are that God called a man like Martin Luther and a few others at his time, which brought light upon this tremendous and basic truth that we are safe only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that every Christian should know about Martin Luther and we should have at least one good biography at home about Martin Luther because it gives us a good picture of the spiritual darkness the church was in at his time. There was no gospel preached. For instance, there were uh, uh, Preachers going from village to village throughout Europe, preaching indulgence, raising money for, to build, in order to build the church St. Peter in Rome. A tremendous darkness. The people didn't have Bibles. And those few Bibles were only in the hands of the priests and were written in Latin. And Martin Luther, the monk, a seeking soul, a longing soul, a soul which is longing to get right with God. Day and night was this questioning upon, uh, question upon his soul. How do I get right with God? How do I get to heaven? And as so many at his time, he goes on a pilgrimage to Rome finally. And he thought, maybe in Rome, my burning soul will come to peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he's there on the steps of St. Peter, where he drags himself on his knees from step to step, reciting prayers to get peace for his burning soul, and to get right with an angry God, the word of God comes to him in Romans 1.17. The just shall live by faith. And he understands it. He embraces it. He understands and sees that eternal life is the gift of God. That Jesus did it all. That Jesus died for his sin. And he gets back to Germany, now a burning heart for the Lord Jesus Christ, with joy and strength in the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will give the word of God to every workman, to every farmer in Germany. And he translates the Bible. We are so thankful. And it was Tyndall, the Englishman, under tremendous persecution, who said about at the same time, 
the same thing like Martin Luther. I will give the word of God in the hands of ordinary people. Oh, the church didn't like it. The church didn't believe the word of God. But Martin Luther, he went on in the strength of the Lord. And he didn't budge and he didn't move. He didn't want to organize a new church, oh no. But he wanted to bring the light of the gospel into the church, which was called the Church of Jesus Christ and was so terribly in darkness. As I said before, the Church of Jesus Christ was suffering and is suffering tremendously under those false teachers which say that we are saved by works. Yes, faith, but by works too. We have to add them. So there is this constant need of declaring that we are saved by faith, by faith alone, not by circumcision, not by baptism, not by doing good, keeping the church commandments, but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. It's a tremendous thing, you know, when you come to a realization of this basic and wonderful truth. It is only then that we get the assurance, knowing that we are safe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have tried hard to, to keep the church commandments, to go to confession, and it all didn't work. There's this burning heart to get right with God, and the sins are bothering you so much, and you don't know how to get rid of them, and you go to confession, and you get out of the confession booth, and the next minute you fall into the same things. A terrible situation. No hope. A religion of darkness. Not of freedom. Of bondage. And I thank the Lord that one night he brought this light to me when I saw for the first time that it was by grace that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins and that I only have to give his, my heart to Jesus. And there was assurance of salvation. There was peace. There was rejoicing. And it's only until then that we have, that we have this joy. That we have that peace of which the Lord Jesus said, I give you peace as the world will never give. This is the world, the teaching of the world. No one should fool us. For they have added to the word of God. And they have made and worked out all kind of religion. And they have brought us into bondage. But thank God that we have the word of God. The word of God which is the yardstick with which we can measure what is right and wrong before him. But throughout church history, the church has suffered, tremendously suffered from this false teaching. And what was it for me when I had come to such a realization? I had taken Jesus into my heart and a new life started. A new world opens, so tremendous, so wonderful, has drawn me out of bondage into this wonderful and marvelous light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was such, such a wonderful experience. But I remember, you know, when, when my parents called the priests in of the church, 
And at one, pi uh, one point, I said to them, Oh, I know where I'm going. I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. They couldn't take it. They were holding their ears. Franz, what an impossibility. Blasphemy. How can you say a thing like this? We hope one day through the mercies of God to find salvation. But how can you say it? I say on the authority of the word of God. And I showed them John 6, 47. And that is what Jesus says. Whosoever believes in me has eternal life. Has it now? They couldn't understand. They didn't know what to do. So the only thing what could be done to throw me out of the church and out of the house. But isn't this wonderful to know, to understand that the gospel, that eternal life is the free gift of God available to everyone whosoever believes in me has eternal life. But the truth is bad. And as I said at the beginning, you may speak to hundreds of people which call themselves Christians. And you ask them, how do you get to heaven? Very, very few will say by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is this constant need to declare that we are saved by faith, by faith only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, now we thank you with all our hearts for thy word. Oh, Father, if we wouldn't have your word, the authority of your word, Lord, where should we turn to? Father, every man would be right. All the philosophies of man would be right. But we thank you, Lord, that thy word is revealed to us in power and strength of the Holy Spirit. That it is so simple and so wonderful that the Lord Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. Oh, Father, we pray for each one here. Oh, Lord, that we constantly may declare this wonderful and basic truth that we are saved by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, and as we again go into another week, oh, that this testimony be on our lips. Oh, that we might be available to the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, for this are so important days we are living in. Oh, Father, and you have given before us an open door among our relatives, among those we work with, to declare to them on the authority of the Word of God that they can get right with God by trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, help us to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus. Help us to be available to him who has called us into his service. O Father, bless us throughout this day, and may thy name be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.